we're just, I'm here alone, so now I can say anything I want. Uh, you know, Sam's a nice guy, and, uh, you know, I treasure our friendship, and we're all just growing together, and we're all just trying our best. Uh, you know, I'm pretty tired. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. been a long month. been a long year. been a long life. But, uh, you know, together we get through it, you know, like all together collectively, like I don't, I don't have it today, you know, and, uh, how's it going? There we go. Actually, (laughs) that reminds me the entire last episode we recorded. I was like, why am I having to edit the compression and EQ entirely different? It's because it was my MacBook recording. It was the microphone from the MacBook, not this. So I just selected the wrong thing and then i guess just now it reselected the wrong thing but wow. i'm surprised and impressed that i it took me like i don't know 10 15 minutes of editing before i realized like oh my god that's not actually my high quality microphone it's the macbook what a treat uh anyway as i was saying we're all just trying our best you know so uh sam tell me about your instagram whatever distract me please i need some dumb yeah. bullshit from the so, internet so there's a, uh, you know, as there has always been and will always be uh, various gurus in the space of photography, specifically wedding mm-hmm. photography, uh, there's this guy who, I'm assuming he's a guy, I don't know. Uh, if you watch his videos, like removing the edit, right? The slices and the crop ins and the crop outs and everything. He must be recording them literally like this the entire time. Like his physicality is super intense. And you gotta it's, have it. it. But it's amazing. Cause it's like, holy shit. Yeah. He figured out that if he moves like this and then edits the videos to make it a little more uh, engaging and sane, uh, it's actually engaging. And he gets a lot of um, interaction with his. Yeah, really bad business advice. I don't know. It's one of the tricks. I guess. For the algorithm. No, it's literally it's a first thing. Time I've move. Seen, am I late to this whole game? Yeah, man. Cause... Do Add movement. It's why uh, all the... It's all why one of the reasons the TikToker... Ugh. TikToker folks uh, move their camera in and move it out while they're talking. So, sure. you know, I mean, it's not, not what I'm doing with the microphone stuff of just like, well, it's, you know, like, it's a... It's a movement. It's it's emotion. It's manufactured emotion and excitement that then is translated to viewership because our brains, our, our lizard brains, are see that just makes me not trust anything they want to say. This is this is honestly something I've always struggled with with like the like figuring out how to promote something that I created, like an article or an yeah. opinion piece or anything. It's like okay, how do I promote this in a way that gets people's attention? Every layer you just of shake that your process. Head a little makes me feel like I am losing trust with the audience that I actually want to gain trust from. It's, it's such a messed up system. Yes. Hello. Welcome to my literal pain. I don't know if you listened to our episode from two weeks ago. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I only listen for the ums and ahs. Yeah. You, you zone out when you edit. There's no way you're listening to this. This guy, this this fella, saying uh, stuff let's over and put over. Put in a little bookmark for uh, future Sam. You are probably not listening to this as you edit this very phrase. Oh, because we didn't say um or ah, uh. but uh, 
oh. that. Yeah, it's to the point where I can literally see in waveform what your ums and ahs look like. I love that. I love that. I love that you know so much intimate detail, such as my ums and ahs. <laughs> it's a special, special place. Here's the thing. Running, uh, I just, how can I say this? What's the, what's the correct way to say this? I think I'm going to state it plainly. and deal with whatever consequences come my way. The consequences being a couple of people commenting on a glass post being like, thank you, I love you, Daniel, or whatever. No one should run platforms. Platforms (laughs) shouldn't exist on the internet. It, like, doesn't work, and we're going to keep trying for the rest of time, and those of us that do choose to do it anyway... We are unhealthy. We do can, not can have I say, normal brains. Okay. So the very first thing my mind went to when you said that was Netflix, which I think in a lot of ways can be viewed as a platform. It's, oh, it's 100%. Not, it's it has a point of view. Really. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. It has a point of view. You're right. Okay. If that's what you describe. But they never, ever built in any type of feedback loop uh which is which you know i think is your main pain point being comments as part of their business like nobody goes to netflix to look a watch something and then um you know check the comments for feedback right they go to imdb for that right exactly what's the word like oh my god my brain is a fog this morning um, this, is, not, this is great news for both of us. Offshored. <laughs> outsourced. Thank outsourced. you. Sorry. Outsourced the comments to uh, IMDb or some other. Letterboxed. R.I.P. Yeah. Not other... R.I.P., but you know, like R.I.P. Anyway, yeah. I'm just. <sighs> so this is a thing where it's like, you know, I feel like some platforms on the Internet lean into uh, comments because they it's an easy engagement metric to juice and use mm. as a thing not i don't know glass is i think a really special place because of the comments because i actually get a lot of yeah. uh, constructive criticism and pushback and and just i don't know insights that i never would really get um on instagram or something because it's it's like a separate place like all the photographers that post there know that their clients aren't also there which is a distinctly different and special environment compared yeah, to that's the magic. Like instagram yeah it's people magic. are mad yeah. i i right. get an email like you know every day that someone's like i would love to find more clients on glass why can't i find clients on glass it's like well that's because that's not that's not what that's it's a, for it's not the, the point yeah like geez. sure we'll we'll release tools that help you find and make money more in the future as we continue to mature of course but like mm. the community itself is not for inner selling we're not you know i don't know it's been one of those weeks i have a question sam sure i was going to be in a much better mood when i had this question and i thought it was going to carry us through a whole episode now we might get a couple of sentences out of it let's roll in well i'm gonna i'm gonna edit in to this point and i'm gonna send you a picture of popcorn right now before you ask your question and this is why i'm so distracted this morning because popcorn's shitting all over the house (laughs) I did yeah. step in his shit before we started recording, but also he's so cute. God, we are just, we are 100. Do should we just start over? No, it's fine. <laughs> okay. 
My question. I'm waiting for this photo of your dog to come through. Uh, there it is. Oh, I that's did get good. the new iPhone. Nobody cares. And Dude, great go. phone. Feels great in the hand. So much lighter. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's, so much lighter. It's got the, um, I hate to say this because it sounds weird 10 years later. It's got the lickable, like I want to lick it. Like, yeah, lickability. The Steve Jobs measure of success. It's like, do you want to lick it though? One of my friends runs a, uh, there on uh, glass, Matt uh, Bischoff. Uh, they're a wonderful he's human being. Man. They run. Uh, I want to say he's Matt B on glass. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he run, he runs a an app development studio called Lickability, and I was always super jealous of that name. Like, it's a good one. You get to put a tongue in your logo. That's just a win. Yeah. Okay, my question. Uh, since we can delete the first ten minutes of this, uh, my question is is there a type of photography that you haven't done or don't do a lot of that you think that you could do great at if you just transitioned into it that's a really good question huh Uh, i can i can set the stage on what brought this question to mind uh it involves my favorite band so one of my favorite bands is a is an Australian band named Parcels. They're based out of Berlin. They've been there for the last eight years. Uh, they're really wonderful. They're just a really wonderful dad rock pop hooray. Really thoughtful musicians, and their chemistry is electric. Like just the group, the five the five people who make up the group all clearly have just been playing together for a decade and just really enjoy it and love it. And they're really good. And a, a big point of inflection for them that, you know, they've toured, they've released EPs, whatever. Uh, in 2020, uh, they released an hour long set of them performing new recordings of their last album, their first uh, studio album that they had released in 2019. So in 2020, they were going to go on tour, LOL, couldn't do that. So they went (laughs) into their favorite studio in Berlin and they recorded an hour-long set that they just put up on YouTube called Live Volume 1. And uh, (laughs) it's, it's just an hour straight. Like, it's it's not... Uh, you know, it, it, it's like multiple camera views, but all one performance all happening at the same time, right? Like they're going in and out of the songs. It's all blended. It's not edited in any way. It's just them playing music together for an hour. And I found it. It got recommended to me on YouTube. Bless you, YouTube. Uh, for all the pain you have caused me recently, I still love you from time to time. And it gifted me this band uh, like a month after that video came out. It had like... 100,000 views at that point. It now has like 10 million. It went pretty viral. It was a big deal for them. They got a lot of wow. uh, followers and fans from that. And then it just kept growing. And they released their uh, a two studio, uh, a double album uh, in 2021, toured with it. And for the last year, uh, they have since they've been performing again, starting to work in dance music. They've been in Berlin for eight years. They love going to clubs. They love dancing. They love just like funk, jazz, hurrah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And so they, you know, finally admitted, oh, we love dance music too. 
And so they started working in dance editions of their songs where, you know, like, you know, like when a band gets a song remixed by a bad DJ and then it's just like, oh, this sounds like that song that I love that's now bad. This (laughs) is not that. This is what if the musicians that I love that made the song that I love made their own dance music with that song? Okay. And so they've started working it in, figuring out how to do like jam band uh, dance (laughs) music. Interesting. And are now in the process of releasing live volume two, where they rented a nightclub in Paris and just strapped GoPros to their chest and set up a couple of locked off tripods and filmed themselves doing a tiny intimate dance concert in the basement of a club in Paris. And that's their next album. It is, uh, it's like this huge departure from their normal you know their their traditional sounding music the music that they Mm -hmm. normally put out but it because of how they've done it how they've released it how they've worked it into the live sets put up a couple of youtube videos over the last year of like oh this new rendition that sort of thing and because it's them putting the same care that they put into their traditional style of music it comes across wonderfully it is so good can you uh just for people listening, reiterate or restate the name of this. Yes, parcels. I'll, I'll parcels. put I'll, I'll put all the links for these videos and stuff in the show notes. But uh, okay. parcels, P A R C E L S, parcels. Uh, nice. They are okay. wonderful, and so like Check I it am. It, it comes out in like two weeks. They've released two singles from it. I have. Uh, become mildly obsessed with this in the same way that I was mildly obsessed with the first version, even though it's completely different. I'm in love. I made Tom listen to it this week. He was like, oh man, this is the dad rock of my dreams. Just having a great time. But it's got me thinking, it's such a weird transition to go from, you know, like, I I don't know. It it would be like John Mayer releasing a dance album, right? Yeah, that's quite Uh, the shift. Interesting. And so, like, but because of how they've done it and how they've communicated it with their fans and also just being true to who they are and being really talented musicians, it's working, right? You know, like, as opposed to, like, when Justin Timberlake tried to make a country album being a Montana man and he was laughed into the woods, mm-hmm. back into the woods. That's a, that's a good joke because of <laughs> the name of the song. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, like, I'm... <laughs> Uh, you, like creatively, it's such a different type of music, but it's the same thing, right? And so I was thinking, like, what would my photography version of this be, right? Okay. Uh, so if I'm like taking a bunch of street photos, I'm a street photographer, I'm a portrait photographer, I, you know, I, I blend these things. What's my, what would I like? Oh, I want to do this. I'm going to go do that now, but it's going to work because of my past influences and because of. How we're, and I'm like, I know what my answer is, but now you get the question. Ooh, if I could release a dance album version of my photography. Work, yeah. That's, that's what I've been trying to do with uh, photographing my friend Chloe. It's like, let's change it up and no one cares. <laughs> well, like, I don't think uh, that's correct. <laughs> okay. Why? Th- well, that is what it feels like, like to me. Them. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's nice. But uh, that's what it feels like to me. It's um, normally I have a engaged, you know, couple that's in love that, um, you know, photographing couples on a wedding day. I know people write endless, uh, <laughs> endless appreciation, uh, endless <laughs> posts about 
the struggles of being a wedding photographer or whatever uh, on Reddit and Facebook groups and all this blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you know, most couples like to be close and cuddly with each other that have just been married. You do get the occasional like people that are camera shy and don't, you know, no PDA because, you know, whatever reason uh, they're bringing. But the uh, truth is it's, it's really easy to photograph couples. It just is. Now, to photograph couples in a creative manner, like there are layers and it can get very, very difficult. Don't get me wrong. Time constraints, lighting constraints, venue issues like that. That's a real thing. But if you just have a couple standing in front of you, there is something you can say that is easy and natural to get them to be close and cuddly. If you try even like 2%. Having a, a singular person in front of you with the most epic background ever and say do something cool (laughs) it's like it doesn't work it's it's so i don't know for me at least it's very very difficult and that is my dance pop album of uh photography it is a solo person in front of you trying to make them look engaging and natural and interactive because it is just between me and the person in front of my lens it's not me and those people doing their thing it's uh yeah it's really difficult and this is also coming from somebody who uh just photographed like 28 headshots i think like four days ago right so i have this person walk in to uh you know my light my little lighting studio in the back corner of a room and i have to you know guide them to where to stand and we already talked about that in a previous episode of how silly it is to be like just stand here and look this way and it's like nobody understands that you have to literally paint lines on the floor for people to get with what you're saying which is very odd to me did you do my tea I gotta do the tea. No, there was already a circle on the floor, so I, was, I stood in the circle myself and said, "Stand here, face this way." And I think That's because there good. was a yeah. circle there, they could get it. But to get somebody to, you know, resonate and become themselves in front of you is, is a real trick that uh, I don't know. I find quite difficult, and I'm very comfortable. That I think is my. Um, you know, get out of jail free card is that I have been behind the camera long enough at this point that they don't sense my anxiety because there is none, even though I have no idea what, how to get them to engage and unfold. Um, like in my head, it's like, Oh my God, this is, this is going horribly. Uh, but they perceive it as being, Oh, this is going wonderfully. And I think that's the the trick at the end of the day to getting a good photo or headshot or somebody looking really natural and liking how they look in the camera. But for me, that is my dance pop album. It's, it's like with weddings, I can tell people just look at each other, like put your focus on each other, energy toward each other. And I don't have that background, you know, subroutine running where it's like, Oh my God, this is going awful. This is, this is so terrible. Yeah. Because clearly they're engaged with one another like engaged is a, maybe a poor term but they're no that's they're, the correct they're connecting yeah. they're, they're engaged <laughs> they're, and now they're connecting. Uh, now married now married they're connecting in a way that like i can objectively see and feel oh this is going great because they are clearly yeah. in love but with with a solo person that again yeah. I, I i am not built for that kind of photography i really am not even when i take a uh you know, one half of the couple on a wedding day, I still position 
the other person that's not being photographed over my shoulder for the person being photographed to look at so that they can connect and I don't have to have any involvement in, you know, coaxing out some sort of uh, expression from that solo. Uh, <laughs> so do, do, do you have... What, hmm, I'm <laughs> Sorry. No, I love this. Popcorn? <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm thinking of the the best way to say this. Uh, okay. Well, like when you're shooting a couple, right? Who's just had one of the most emotional moments of their lives, theoretically, mo- nine times out of ten, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're like documenting the thing and their emotions that's happening. Uh, you like you're documenting their intimacy and their connection and their relationship. Um, but when you're photographing a single person and trying to make a thing, you have to provide that intimacy yourself, right? Like right. you, yeah, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. So uh, which is not easy. I the reason I laughed is because I almost said, "Do you have intimacy problems, Sam?" Right, like like a therapist. <laughs> but it's like you know no. the the it, it's hard to be vulnerable when you're behind the camera. And share that with someone to get them to be vulnerable in front of the camera. It's a hard, it's a weird, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So that is my answer to your question. I love that. That's my dance that's part. Great. Wait, why do you say no one cares about it? Hit me. I mean, that's because you're posting things on, you know, Instagram. That's what you get for trying to do something oh, different. I I have, tr- so a mutual friend of ours, I think at this point, uh, Ryan uh, Muirhead has said many times, <laughs> is kind of funny from his perspective that uh you know leaning too hard into like the uh reception on social media of what you are creating uh as validation for for the thing is a really quick path to working in a circle where yep. you are you know only if, if you're really sensitive to oh god i know this is going to get a thousand plus likes or a hundred plus likes whatever um if you think of that and, and actually let it impact you during your actual shoots or after at any point really in the, in the entire process of making a thing to put out into the world, that is a very quick recipe toward uh, doing that same thing again. And so that has resonated with me in a way that when I put something out there that you know doesn't do super well, I, I, I take it as a sign that... You know, maybe I'm doing something really wrong, but also maybe I'm doing something really right. I I, it, I take it as a, a moment to like actually reflect, and uh, when something does really well, it feels really good. But I don't like think deeply about it in any way. I, I guess that's the yeah. point. I don't even know what room this is. For listeners that may not know, there is uh, a hound dog that lives across the street from me. Her name is Pompa. She's very sweet. Pompa. And she's amazing. Uh, the family is from Buenos Aires, which is the place I've never been and really want to go. But uh, she's quite loud when she's outside and popcorn is always like, oh, I got to go see Pompa. So, yeah, he gets like really fixated and jumpy and boofy. We've all been there, you know, Mm. I feel the same way about Pompa. I need to meet Pompa. Yeah. I'm sad you haven't yet. She's, she's great. (sighs) You ever think about, uh, you ever you ever think about your inspirations uh, and like how you don't have a lot of control over them early on in your career? Interesting. Um, 
Because like right now I have like pretty, I uh, like my inspiration cycle is pretty dialed, right? Like I know, um, which is not to say I can't be surprised or find someone's new work surprising or integrate new people. But like I, you know, I know who my readers are. That's a writing term of like knowing who your readers are, who you're going to send your uh, drafts to, to get feedback from that sort of thing. Like I know who I'm shooting for, right? And if I trust their eye or, you know, like... Um, I shoot super shallow depth of field, right? Like I shoot wide open all the time and on the Miticon 1.4, that's like a 1.1 on a 35, right? Yeah. And before I was shooting with your 58 1.2, which is like 0.95. And then, you know, like wide open all the time. There are people that don't like shallow depth of field and they've been like, oh, this shallow depth of field isn't working for me. It's like, okay, that's great. It's working for me, right? Like I know, <laughs> I know that I like this, and I know that this is the effect I'm trying to get. Therefore, like I this the shot is not for you, and that's fine, right? Like mm-hmm. I did not shoot this for you to enjoy it. I shot it because I enjoy it, uh, and that little, you know, that little bit of knowledge is helpful, right? And mm-hmm. that little bit of knowledge of like, oh, I know what I'm looking for in photographers, right? Like isolated street photographers who are documenting minuscule. Uh, small details of a space or of a city, right? Then the only way that you can is by going out over and over and over knowing a place and like deeply knowing a place. And that's why, great. Okay, that means I love these 10 photographers and that's like my bracket. And so like, sure, there's amazing work out there of wedding photographers, right? Like I love your work. Your work is not, uh, I am in not, I am not in conversation with your work most of the time, right? When I'm shooting a wedding, I'm like definitely thinking of your work in uh, like Brandon Wetzel and uh, a few other, you know, wedding photographers that I really love, Ollie Samson, right? Like there are all these different people that I'm like, oh, I love their work. And so when I'm shooting a wedding, I'm thinking about that. But when I'm shooting streets, I'm not like, you know, this is where Sam would bring up a prism Mm. to (laughs) make the couple, because like I'm not shooting a couple, right? I'm shooting a doorknob. (laughs) or like a fucking trash can or something right and so it's like the uh the the inspiration that i'm able to take from people and from other people's work is a lot more dialed now as you know an adult with a fully formed brain and also like opinions that have been hard fought and won over decades of practice uh when i started i didn't have that right like I, it was, oh, I love these photos. I love these photos. Great. Right. You know, like there were like three photographers that were really nice on Flickr. So I love their photos, right? Like, oh, this is amazing stuff. I went back and looked at their photos recently and I was like, oh, this is actually (laughs) not for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, where were you going with that? Well, so like part of, I, I bring all of that up because my answer for my dance album is, I don't know if I actually have control over this, right? So my, hmm. um, the growing up, you know, like my grandfather and my father were photographers. They taught me photography when I was very young and it was like a thing that I did, uh, whatever through high school. Um, in high school I started taking concert photography to, in exchange for tickets. I wasn't doing it cause I loved concert photography. I was doing it cause I wanted to go to the shows and so I would, you know, shot the indie concert house photos in exchange for free tickets. And, um, you know, it was really fun. It was really great. I loved it, but it was not, 
uh, the type of work that I like to do, you know, or now I know that, right? Just then I was just like, oh, I'm just shooting an event. I'm here for whatever. Uh, and then when I got to college, uh, two things happened and it kind of like shifted my perspective on photography in a really big way. And then it, you know, became the profession that I ended up going into. And now I'm, I guess, circling, right? <laughs> photography adjacent, mm-hmm. uh, was, I met a photographer, uh, like a, a local photographer that went to the college that just graduated the college that I was going to. And, um, someone started a YouTube channel. So like the, <laughs> this is literally it, uh, that, that I, you know, that input, I had no blockers for these inputs, right? They just came, uh, the photographer that I met, uh, his name was Ben blood. Uh, he is a exceptional familiar name. He's an exceptional wedding photographer out of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he, uh, went to Walla Walla university, which is where I, um, you know, existed. And then, uh, he graduated left and like, but he left like this plethora of work behind, right? He was the photo editor, uh, two years before he graduated in the year before he graduated, he was the head photo editor and the um, yearbook because my tiny religious mm-hmm. college had a yearbook for some reason. And so that's where all the creative kids went was that we went to work on the yearbook so we could have full control. We had like a budget of like 40 grand. We were able to hire what? designers. <laughs> oh yeah, it God. was insane. <laughs> like Jeez. thinking back on it, they looked like I, you know, like offset printed 2000 copies of a you know, 300 page book. Like that was when I was the editor of the yearbook before I left. Um, Like literally that was my goal at college. I was like, I'm going to become the yearbook editor. And then I got it my second year and then I dropped out. Uh, No big deal. Uh, (coughs) But so Ben blood was the one before that. And so he was like deeply inspired by um, this old design blog called ISO50.com. Uh, which was the design persona for the musician Tycho, uh, which is... Oh, I love Tycho. Yeah, Tycho. That is my go-to Siri. Like, hey, Siri, play Tycho. Yeah. Like morning so, time routine. Yeah. yeah. So Tycho, he, his name is Scott Hansen. He was a oh, designer. Shit. I just triggered a bunch of series. Hey, Siri, stop. Oh, God. Sorry, everyone listening that has a Siri device. This is when... This is because Sam has series in every nook and cranny of his home <laughs> there are two home pods sitting in front of me hey siri stop this isn't tycho okay we're good okay uh <laughs> so right so like he he was this really incredible designer and he had a really great design blog called iso50.com it's still there uh and like a really wonderful little thing and source of inspiration for typography, color palettes. And like he, he is uh, one of the people that caused that like washed out faded highlights, uh, mm-hmm. like sepia tone vintage vibe to seep into everything in like mm-hmm. the mid aughts. Like that is partly because all the designers were reading ISO 50 and mm-hmm. he released soundtracks on ISO 50 uh, you know, just like mixtapes, here's the thing. And then he started releasing his own little musics in there. And then Tycho became the, you know, multi-platinum selling massive artist. And now he's just a musician that like is living the dream. 
Uh, and so, so Ben Blood was heavily influenced by ISO 50 and, you know, Scott Hansen, Tycho, whatever. And, you know, not to say that I wasn't also, cause I was reading that blog before I met Ben. Um, but he, uh, you know, designed what I felt like was a perfect vibe of a yearbook, right? It was just like a really, you know, looking back on it now, it's not good, right? Like none of our work right. was good when we were 19, that, unless you're a magician or um, Chrissy White. Uh, Chrissy White is an exceptional photographer who's been like making the best self portraits uh, this side of the, this turn of the century since she was like 13. And now wow. she's like a stoner in the woods knitting or something like that. I'm <laughs> iconic. Uh, that's amazing. Okay. So yeah, anyway, um, we're, we're, all of our lives should lead to just that end goals right there. I know that's <laughs> stoner in the woods. Knitting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, he, he, it was like really sparse over edited, uh, you know, like color tones were, Oh, you know, this is the cold time. So now everything's very blue, right? That sort of thing. But like, the minimalistic style and the bravery that it took to put a small photo in a full spread that was of empty, right? Like that level, there were all these little things. So I really love Ben blood's work. And then, um, chase Jarvis, uh, a commercial photographer out of Seattle. Um, his name I do know. Yeah. So he's like a a photography all-star, you know, hall of famer type fella, uh yeah, founder for, of creative live <laughs> yeah so like, you know, right little so, things well that was a little thing back when it started right so he was sure. a commercial photographer he was one of the first commercial photographers that took being a commercial photographer and applied making content about it he released a right, right after it came out he released uh when the iphone 3g came out he released a one of the first camera apps uh called the best camera or mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Camera Plus, I think it was what it ended up eventually getting called. Um, but it was, you know, Best Camera. And then he released a companion book with it uh, called The Best Camera Jackpot. is the one that yeah. you have with you. Yeah. And it was like a little six by six square with mm-hmm. a beautiful blue photo of a red flag on like the fucking North Pole or something or South Pole. One of the poles. There are only two. And like he, you know, was just talking about how... Um, you know, the best camera is the one you have with you. People won't, people act different when you're holding a tiny phone in front of their face, that sort of thing. And he had all these like little tips sprinkled in. And like Mm -hmm. one of them specifically is seared into my brain and I've given it, you know, stolen it and given it here on this podcast, like four times. And just in my entire life, like the, the secret to photography is taking a hell of a lot of photos that Mm -hmm. that's from that book. Right. So like he, um, but yeah, I think I bought it, but I never actually read it. So (laughs) when there was this typical Sam, uh, so there was this version of, um, uh, when the latest version of the SanDisk extreme, the first edition SanDisk extreme photos came out that you could write like eight photos a second to, Mm -hmm. um, it was a big, it was a huge deal in 2011 or whatever this was. He negotiated the contract with SanDisk to shoot their, you know, he was the photographer they hired to shoot the commercial images of the, for the SD cards. But he negotiated a, let me make a content with this. 
and he filmed the behind the scenes little you know two part video of him in New Zealand shooting skiers and how he got the shot and you know all those you know like all the little vlog stuff that was mm-hmm. just starting to take off and it you know like really really stuck with me i followed him everywhere cuz he was also one of the only photographers that was releasing behind the scenes content cuz he knew mm-hmm. like I'm already here, right? Like, I'm set. I'm shooting for SanDisk. I'm shooting for Apple, right? Like, do you know the people who shoot the, 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 like, the, there are professional photographers who get hired to shoot the fake, at the time, iPhoto photos or the iLife photos <laughs> that were sure. in the fake thing of the demo, right? Like, that's the level right. of shooting he was doing, and he was fine, right? Like, had a team of five or six or eight, whatever, had a great office in Seattle, so he knew that, like, him sharing little tips wasn't actually going to impact his business at all, so it was amazing. True. So, onboarded anything he put out all the time, and he had a beautiful um, exposed concrete uh, wall in his office uh, and they had that same year that he released that uh, they had a holiday party uh, and they set up a photo booth you know with really great you know just like oh here's our $20,000 Manfrotto lighted photo booth for our company <laughs> office party on just a white backdrop and then everybody got drunk and it was just taking a photo every 10 seconds or whatever Everybody got drunk, you know, ripped down the thing, beautiful thing in front of this exposed cement. Um, and he, it was his profile picture on Twitter for a really long time from like 2011 to like 2012 or 13, something like that. It was just him holding like a gin and tonic in a white, you know, V neck in front of this exposed brick thing with a perfectly lit flash. And for whatever reason, that was like the pinnacle of photography to me. Hmm. was that like that photo and that like whole experience. I was like, I need a studio. I need to do this. Ah, Right. And like, that's Mm -hmm. the thing I was working towards. Uh, At that same time, Ben blood had just graduated college left. And I was like rummaging around in all his ghosts, right? Like looking at his design files, working, you know, like seeing how he had edited things in Apple aperture. Cause we were still editing in aperture and Photoshop instead of Lightroom. Cause Lightroom like had just come out sort of thing right and was just like oh digging in and ben was religiously posting on his blog because we just had blogs back then and it was amazing and a local band in walla walla washington called garage voice went on tour and ben went with them Mm. and was just like it was it it was unlike any photography I'd ever seen, right? Like it, it was a street style documentary photography for music for this band. Right. So like, yes, there were the wonderful, normal, uh, 16 millimeter 2.8. Here's the band with a light behind them. Holy hell. Look at the energy here. But then it was like, here we are standing in line checking out at the grocery store at three in the morning because you know our van broke down and we're stuck and like here are their feet perfectly lined up waiting with m&ms behind it or whatever and uh you know like the candy aisle while they're waiting for the register and like all these little minutia of things are like here's someone here's the drummer sleeping in the bus or whatever and there was all this just beautiful 
detail and detritus that you didn't really expect for like music photography. And I was like, holy shit. And they played a Christmas album. Uh, they had a Christmas album. They did Christmas shows. And uh, they had an ugly Christmas sweater. The bassist, his name was Chris, I think. Um, uh, was like doing, they laughed anyway. And like he had this shot of the guy talking and laughing to someone looking to the his left because it was facing right when you look at it looking to his left uh laughing and it was cut off at like right below his nose Mm -hmm. and that photo specifically those two photos together were like it to me Hmm. right like for whatever reason i latched onto those photos those are my photos those are what photos are and so like as soon as i got it you know i worked for years to get to the point where i would then have a studio that would have uh, a brick wall unfortunately i did it with brick (laughs) uh where i could recreate a combination of those two photos right like i worked Mm -hmm. for literal years to get to a spot where i could make a photo of myself holding a drink looking to the left and like laughing and talking to a friend and like it wasn't i didn't realize that it was happening right like this wasn't a a conscious thing i was doing but i realized once i took that photo like holy shit i feel amazing right like this is like and then you know i very clearly could draw the lines backwards once i Mm -hmm reached the end but like that whole time i had no idea that was a thing i was working towards for years uh now i'm probably gonna have to recreate the shot for this week's self-portrait but (laughs) there was like this yeah how have i not seen this i don't well because i haven't made it recently i would have to like look through my old like facebook archives because i made this in like 11 years ago or whatever (coughs) anyway so my my dance album would be following a following a, a band <laughs> it's the longest story and i loved every moment of it <coughs> just to get to your end point I lo- well like amazing. i would do so all of that is why i would do it though right like i know that mm-hmm. now but like at the time i was like i need to follow a band i need to be a band this, photographer i feel like you just perfectly articulated why i feel like it's okay to have older people in political office because <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> Because you you just described every song I've ever written, where it's <laughs> so sorry. No. I, know, I don't want to get on a tangent, but but it is an odd thing to me that most of the time, not always, but the vast majority of the time, uh, the thing that is being put out into the world by the creator themselves, where everybody that takes it in and looks at it, or hears it, or reads it, they're like holy shit, this, I get it. This is what I want to do. You nailed it. And that creator has no fucking idea what they're (laughs) doing in the moment. No clue. And and when they're detached from the work enough, be it time or uh, forgetfulness or whatever, they they can look at it and be like, oh my God, I see exactly what I was going for in that moment. But, But never, almost never, do they actually consciously, uh, put that together it, it was a weird trick I, and i think we've talked about this on the podcast before uh, in college where you know i was taking computer science classes and a woman i was dating was a art history major she was like oh my gosh i love this uh this painter who i'm in you know class with his his work is so 
um, thoughtful and like he can describe what he's doing and then do it. And it's like, no, he isn't. No, he's lying to you. <laughs> I mean, for the most part. Now, again, this isn't like I, I'm blanketing everything with this idea because I think it is usually the case. Not always. But very rarely do you have people that exist where they create something uh, in the world that they know in the moment as it's being created exactly what they're going for. If it resonates, right? I mean, I think that's actually a big part of why a lot of work in the world is not well received because people do overthink and try and have this picture in their mind of what they want to make and then they make it and then nobody cares. It's like, oh yeah, you're missing a step there. That step is just feeling it out and going with it. Like other humans can detect when that has been the case or not. Usually. I mean, it can be faked quite well as, too. Like the, the, there have been really renowned works of art that and, and music and everything else that, you know, have been faked into existence and uh, pop culture uh, for sure. But for the most part, it's like, no, you just, you, you people can detect when it's real or fake. I, I just believe that. Until AI, I don't know, we don't need to wade into this as a uh, focal point of our conversation, but I have been struggling a lot recently. Like, oh, this is fake. Like, I'm going to comment, yeah. this is fake. Like, this isn't real. And nine, nine times out of ten, I'm, I'm correct in that. And maybe one in ten, I'm not. And that's a weird place to be. Like, the fa- like I was reflecting this morning. Like, the fact that I even have to, like, think through this as a uh, person that is looking at a photograph is quite upsetting to me. Like, yeah, is this grim. real or is this fake? This is not cool. <laughs> this, is, this is bad. Uh, because think about the story you just told that like defined years of your life and made a beautiful story for 15 minutes of this podcast. What if Chase Jarvis messaged you and said, Oh yeah, that was actually Photoshopped together. The wall didn't even exist. Like we were actually standing in front of a sheetrock that was white, like not break. <laughs> You're just like, hold on. Heartbreaker. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, Chase uh, Jarvis. I'm going to go find this. <laughs> I, uh, okay, yeah, I would love to find it. I, I was actually searching on X while you were uh, telling that story. Yeah, it's and, it's uh, still on his about page. It is, uh... <laughs> oh, man. Just, How is he not, like, one of the most famous people ever? He only has, only, almost 400,000 followers on Twitter. It's surprising. Well, it's because, I mean, I, I, I know why. Because I was watching pretty closely while Creative Live was born and happened. Because that was the thing that happened after uh, Best Camera was uh, he then went out and raised, you know, money and built right. Creative Live. Creative Live was just one of the names of his little bits of content that he was putting out. It was his own Creative Live mm-hmm. thing. Like the entire SanDisk thing and all that stuff led to him then starting to video do video production for himself and start sharing more of his creative work, which then led to Creative Live, where he started doing interviews and then he started doing things. And then it was a big enough project that they raised venture money on it and then created the Creative Live classroom, community, education space. Uh, And then it made enough money that it plateaued. Right. Or, or like it became a sustainable business, but it didn't explode. So they didn't get a ton more investment. And so like it's just been grinding, doing its own thing. But when you do that and you switch from creating content 
on open networks that are for free algorithm driving blah 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 and instead focus on building a platform over here that's closed and for money you kind of stop growing in the other places not that i would have any experience or knowledge about that anyway join glass today glass.photo slash offer slash endless appreciation get ten (laughs) dollars right like so yeah that's an interesting thing i've observed um in my own life and just seeing companies come and go um you know obviously founded by other people is the relentless fixation on growth and how that is uh, a perfect recipe for that business usually dying almost always um, almost always yeah this is i know um and i'm not i wouldn't describe myself as a fan but i i do pop in and out of uh, joe rogan podcasts and uh, one that uh, one phrase from him that i did really like uh, just a perspective that i i can say okay i'm with you on that is uh his question of like, you're already making $20 million a year. Who cares if you make 21 or 25 or 200, you're already making that amount of money. Why do you have to fixate on making any more? That's an odd thing. It is weird to think that people, uh, you know, just in life always have to be fixated on. Maybe it's because I cannot believe that that is a Joe Rogan talking point. I know. With that's his exactly own why fixation <laughs> of making more and more money. I know. I know. That's why I was like, "Oh, okay. I see. I see uh, <laughs> part of maybe how he makes sense to some people sometimes." Uh, but it's true. It's like, it, why um, is so much of the, the human experience fixated on growth? And I think honestly, it's because everybody sort of uh, can collectively recognize at some point it's going to fade and go away. So you want to overcorrect as much as you possibly can so that the the tail is the slope is is comfortable as possible maybe that's the reason or it's because capitalism makes us or greed exactly or or it's greed or it's uh drive and just like okay yeah i figured this out great that's gonna make me money for a while now let's uh what's the next thing um yeah it's it's an it's a it's weird and i think honestly it probably is more sadly in the uh, greed and, and capitalistic, uh, you know, lifestyle creep. This is something where photographers starting out, you know, they, they ask all the time, like, Oh, when did you make the jump to full time? It's like, okay, <laughs> I see just giving me that question is, is framing the argument of like, I'm making money from this now. That's, that's wonderful. Um, I'm making as much as I, or close to what I make in my salaried full-time job with the company. Okay. You need to be making at least double that to, uh, jump to, uh, full-time as a photographer, in my opinion. Holy shit. I was going to make one grand awesome point and it just floated away from my brain. Sorry. Nope. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Totally gone. Wow. I hate when that happens. Yep. Oh no! <laughs> is it really gone? Is it not coming back? Uh, it, it might come back. It might come back, but that siren isn't helping. Yeah, sorry. Um, something about money and making money. And making money. How capitalism is bad and like capitalism yeah. growth. Endless growth. Uh, oh well, well. Endless growth. But if you're listening and you're still working a job and you uh, you know are desperate to go full time, 
you need to be making at least double what you're making in your salaried position to have approximately the same comfort of living of what you currently are experiencing. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Just if you the need the discomfort to motivate you to make that much, then quit now. Uh, but <laughs> it's going to be really uncomfortable for a really long time. Yeah. That, that's the whole nother point in this, uh, world of yeah sometimes people need that discomfort I, honestly i think that a lot of people that have su- successful businesses seek growth just because they uh can feel the abandonment of whatever they originally made and that drives them to do something with their life like that that weird push that you feel um to do something else like when you are set and you've made your 20 million or whatever a year in a company like it it's it's an odd thing because your entire life and mindset is fixated on making something work. And when it actually does, you have to almost force yourself to make something else work. It's weird. Sorry. You don't have to, you don't, but you don't (laughs) have to. That's exactly my point. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. That's hilarious because you are going to edit this podcast and publish it like (laughs) tomorrow before going to your nine shoots while starting your AI generative idea company while also see what I did there. I did. Yes. Okay. I starting Friday, just for people listening, I have one, two, three, four, five, six shoots in one, two, three, five days, all of which are in upstate New York or New York city, which is very odd to me. Oh, that's nice. I don't know why. Are any of them gay weddings? You got to stop shooting gay weddings and not inviting me to second shoot. (laughs) That's very rude. None of them are. I don't think there are any of them are gay weddings. Sorry about that. Yeah. I I really should get on that. Yeah. My apologies. (laughs) Are you kidding? It's going to be so fun. You're going to watch. You'll, you'll be amazed at my posing advice for <laughs> the big beautiful bears that look just like me we didn't get a lot of feedback about our um, navigating through posing same-sex couples uh strangely i don't uh, maybe yeah, everyone's just like episode. wow great job everybody great yeah, thoughts maybe we are at the age where everybody's like yeah obviously this is, obviously. This is boring Duh. next next podcast <sighs> well here we are I'll tell you a story about musicians forever, just so I can say I want to travel with a musician. (laughs) I want to travel with Parcels. I want to be Parcels band photographer. Parcels, get at me. So think about Uh, it for a second, though. What is the next deeper, just spitballing ideas. Yeah, yeah. Creative brainstorm. There are no wrong answers. So the leap between, okay, yeah, the band, the photos on stage, like them live, it's crazy, it's so good, this photographer's amazing. Holy shit, they are photographing that band, brushing their teeth, and they're, this yeah. is like, what is the next layer deep? Because I feel like intimacy is, uh, at this day and age, like a shortcut toward like, oh, just do the most intimate, crazy thing you can think of, and we are gonna wow people. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a given. What do you think, if you can imagine, is or would be like another fascinating way to photograph, not just a musician, maybe if you want to like, we can silo the discussion to that genre, but um, you know, photographing people in a way that is, uh, resonates, right? That people can connect to because photographing, the, the reason it's 
awesome is because it's like, oh my God, those musicians are just like me. Like they're, yeah, they're on yeah. a tour bus and they're driving across the Midwest or whatever, but they're brushing their teeth just like I do every night. That's so cool. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The problem is if you said it right now, it would already exist. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the, you know, like the purpose of this uh, documentation is can also be different, right? You know, like, oh, that celebrity's just like me. Like, of course Beyonce brushes her teeth, right? Like, mm-hmm. hooray. Uh, but I think there's also, like, a documentation of um, the creative process that exists. Because, like, the creative process doesn't stop when you're not on stage or when you're not taking photos, right? Like, the, the stuff you're onboarding and the stuff you're interacting with, right? Um, there's this really beautiful scene in uh, season two of The Bear. Uh, this is a mm-hmm. pro bear podcast uh, where um, a... Are there uh, anti-bear podcasts? Yeah, oh. Dude, I don't know. But if there are, I want to fight them. I'm going to start a beef <laughs> with them. <laughs> Excellent show. That I had to stop watching. Did you get it? The so beef? Uh, I would have beef yeah. with them. That was the name of the yeah. show. Okay. That's the name of the restaurant on the show. You're going to love it. Yeah. Uh, so, there, but there's this beautiful moment when um, an uh, uh, up-and-coming uh, trainee is working in a kitchen with um, Will Poulter in Copenhagen. He's doing what's called stodging, which is when you go work for free at really nice restaurants. They teach you things while you're there. You get a bunch of experience, and then you fly home. So he's stodging at one of the best restaurants in the world with their pastry chef, and the pastry chef was talking about what it takes to be great and what's going on, and, and he says, like, what's the biggest thing that, like, stops people from being great? And he, he talks about... Um, how like levels of proficiency in the skill kind of stop mattering. And at some point it's about, um, you know, butchering the quote, which probably just cut in the quote from YouTube. I don't know if you can legally do that or not. Uh, but he, uh, he talks about being open, right? Like being open. You got to spend more time out there. You got to, you know, like live life. You got to do stuff being open to the activities to then be inspired by them to make the thing you're making, right? Whether that be a really delicious dessert or a really nice, self-portrait or uh you know like rinse repeat you got to spend time out there interacting and living the life to be able to document it or to be able to write it and so like the creative process for musicians right like one of the coolest experiences of my life was um when i was like 15 i shot a um an emo band's concert and then afterwards they were like hey we're going to ihop anybody want to come who wants to come and so like four or five people from the venue me included joined the band at ihop and we were just hanging out and one of the band members said something as a joke to somebody and the lead singer was <laughs> and then grabbed a napkin and took out a pen and wrote down like two lyrics incorporating <laughs> one of the jokes and like wrote down a line and then it was like okay cool and nice. like stuffed it in a moleskin in his pocket uh and then that was it and i was like what the fuck was that and he was like oh it, that was just a funny line so I, i'm writing it down for later you know like it's hmm. it'll come up right and then it did you know it did come up later in the in the thing and i was like oh i was there right like that line That's made it cool. into a song and i was like oh, it's right there uh and that was nuts to like see one portion of the little thing happen and it like happened at a Denny's at like 3 a.m. Uh, you know, in yeah. Boise, Idaho. He took a photograph. That is the, the same mindset of, of a photographer, hopefully. 
is it it you're you're like kind of looking at the world as if it's a, a an event or a play in front of you and objectively like trying to take notes of things that you think are really interesting man that's amazing that's a wonderful story i love that photography is cool as shit man art is yeah. just cool as hell this is so cool what a and, and i just have to say you know obviously i'm quite biased but the uh job of photographing somebody's wedding day is like a cheat code to get direct access to um essentially an unlimited amount of those types of events yeah where people want you to photograph them throwing away the napkin or picking up the napkin writing the note or whatever it is like they they actually without you having to justify it in any weird way socially you have full access a passport to to documenting quirks like that which is kind of awesome yeah it's the best but that's also why you have trouble creating intimacy with a solo subject totally totally no idea what to because it always feels forced it's like oh it's you and me and a and a photograph let's um do something cool now let's just look at each other and then i'll take a picture Ah! and that's why insight is (laughs) (laughs) please find your inspiration at (laughs) insight.photo and uh, glass.photo onboard all the new information that you can I would like to point out a comment somebody asked me that actually really stopped me and made me think. It was a question here. Do you believe your work has evolved over time? I'm curious because you're still leaning. This may be a language barrier, by the way. Yeah. I'm curious because you're still leaning into creating images with tricks instead, which you've been doing for a decade. How do you define your evolution as a creative or artist? I think that sounds more critical than they intended yeah. it to come across, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's an odd thing to me, uh, the evolution of your work. It's just like what you described where somebody in the process of making something is probably not aware that it's going to be received in a certain way, uh, where everybody's like, oh my God, you're so, this is amazing. Uh, and the the artist is like, "Uh, what? I didn't. Okay. Um, that I think can be extended into years and decades and a lifetime of work where you actually don't know what you're doing the entire time. Um, but you continue to make work. I, I do feel like that's sort of, if, if you are able to definitively, definitively say like how your work has evolved, that is sort of a red flag that maybe you should change something up. That was kind of the point I was trying to make. Join um, in next week when we talk about how Daniel can pinpoint exactly how his work has changed over the years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daniel. It's okay. I wish. Just gotta let go. Just gotta let it flow. Let it flow, bro. Well, Sam, uh, I really turned around. It started grim, but... <laughs> I have no idea what this is gonna be like in the edit, but I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait for you to edit out that, like, six minutes at the beginning. <laughs> but leave in that we edit out six minutes. That's a... We'll see. No, you're definitely editing out the... Okay. All right. Appreciate you. Appreciate you.